So this morning we're starting um, what we call Advent series. We didn't call it that. It was called that a long time ago. Um, but we're moving into this Advent series. We've been doing this for the last two or three years now where we just take, a, take this time of year to reflect on Jesus' first coming and also really look forward to his second coming. Because uh, it's, as we remember how he came the first time, we should, our hearts should be turning towards his coming back. So Advent is a, is a practice of the church observed for over four centuries. And the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning the one who is on his way. The one who is on his way. So let me just say this real quick. For those of you who are here this morning who are hurting, those of you who are sick, those of you who are in a desperate situation, those of you who are not sure which way to turn next, let me just reassure you with this. Jesus is on his way. Jesus is on his way. Now what I mean by that is, I believe he's on his way into your current situation. He's like the hero coming in on the white horse. He's on his way to meet you right where you're at. But also, Jesus promised us that he would come back again. And when he comes back, he's going to make everything right. And he's going to take us back to heaven with him. And everything's going to be perfect and wonderful in that time. So, the, as I read this, I'll just remember that this was written by Isaiah, uh, I think about 700 years before Jesus ever came, before Jesus was born. So, I'm going to start in, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. And then we're going to flow into chapter 9 because they really all, in, in the original, sort of flow together. <clears throat> so it begins with, look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory." And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Amen? So the big idea this morning is this. Jesus is our source of great hope in our darkest situation. Now I want you to notice something about the prophetic uh, here. Because this is, 
a messianic prophecy was spoken again about 700 years before Jesus was ever born. And, and so as we read this, we know this all to be true. And it talks about a child is born and, and how Jesus came. And we, and we know the part about light in the darkness. But can you see here how it was easy to get some of the prophecy of Jesus confused and how some people thought, well, when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, he's going to kick out the Romans and get rid of all the bad guys and he's going to make everything right. Can, can you see that? Because when it says things like, and he will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the burden from their shoulders. He will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And, and so we know that when Jesus came, some people rejected him because they were looking at these prophecies going, wait a minute, he's doing nothing with the Romans. But here's the thing about prophecy that I think is interesting and it's something that we need to understand. Oftentimes when God speaks, it's multi-layered. There, there is the now... Now notice that Isaiah wrote this 700 years before Jesus came. And so I'm sure that when he spoke this out of his mouth and when he wrote this and he read it to the people, they're thinking, he's on his way. He's any day now, he's coming, he's going to take care of us. But 700 years later, he came. And then 700 years later, he came and a lot of these things came true, but they weren't like people thought they were going to be. And... Some of it, we're still waiting on the complete fulfillment of that. But here's the thing. The word of the Lord is true. And that everything he said did happen, is happening, will happen. Right? And we can, we can trust that. So, notice it says that the world can be like a place of trouble, anguish, and dark despair. <laughs> trouble, anguish, in dark despair. Isn't that sort of the world we're living in now? I mean, that may not be in your home, thank the Lord. But when we look at the world at, lar at large, there's a lot of anguish, a lot of darkness, a lot of despair. And really this describes a state of hopelessness. And hopelessness is a state in which you see no possible outcome where it can be good. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but it's a, it's a place where you're thinking there is no way this circumstance can turn out good. And can I tell you that a lot of the people in the world today view the world that way? That we're all doomed for something. Something's going to get us. Something's going to destroy us. Something's going to kill us. There's just no way that it's ever going to be good, that we can't expect anything good. If it's not you know, the decay of the ozone layer, it's global warming, or it's the next pandemic, or it's inflation's going to kill us, or something's going to get us, something's going to take us down. It's just never going to be good, and I don't see any way that it's ever going to be good. And it says that when people aren't living according to the Word of God, that's how they view life. And it says that those who contradict, who live contradictory to the Word of God, are those who live their life like this. And I can just tell you that when we're trying to live our life looking for answers in any other place but the Word of God, it's going to lead to disappointment. And it's going to lead to hopelessness. But when we are looking to the Word of God for our answers, when we're looking to the Word of God to, 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 to give us what we're to do next, then we can have hope and we can live in hope. And, and so... The Messiah was prophesied and promised as a light in a hopeless situation. Again, 
700 years before. And so let me just read this again. Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, they will find trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into darkness. And so can you, can you see how people are now currently, they're looking up, they're looking down, they're looking everywhere, they're looking to the politicians, they're looking to the scientists, they're looking everywhere for an answer, something, somebody that's going to give me some hope. And it says, though, that those people that are keep looking at all those different places are never going to find their hope. They're going to live in a place of darkness. And I don't know if you've ever been in complete darkness before. Maybe um, I, I was, I've told this story before. But when I was in college, I went some buddies. We, we went into a cave and we, we turned our lights out for a moment. It was scary because I was thinking, what if we don't come back on? <laughs> but I turned them off, and, and you could not see this. I mean, you could see nothing. And in, in just a few seconds, you didn't know which way was up and which way was down, and you could not see anything. It was complete darkness. And sometimes people are walking around in complete darkness spiritually. Maybe they're walking around in deep darkness emotionally. Maybe their life has brought them certain circumstances where they just feel like everything is dark and despair and anguish, and there is no hope. But the promise was here of the Messiah would come one day and be this great light in the darkness. That he would bring this light into this dark situation. And we know that Jesus did that. He brought this great light. And, not on, and isn't it interesting that, that he was heralded by a great light in the sky. That said this is where he is. This is where you can find him. And so 700 years before Jesus was born, he was prophesied and he was called that he, a light in a hopeless situation. And here's what it says about him. One, he will fill the earth with his glory. He will fill the earth with his glory. And what it's talking about here in this scripture, glory refers to this weightiness of his presence. And what it says is when Jesus comes, and he has come, that there will be the availability of being in the weightiness of his presence. That when Jesus came, not only could you go into the presence of God through a priest or through a priest going into the Holy of Holies, but we could all experience the weightiness of his presence. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's, some people call it the Shekinah glory. Some people call it other things. But it's a place where we absolutely can feel, experience the presence of God. And that was made available to all of us through Jesus. And it's interesting, it talks about this dark place, this horrible dark place that the world was in. This weightiness of darkness that then is pierced by the weightiness of His glory. And Jesus was the answer to that, that with this dark place that the world was in. And can I tell you that Jesus is still the answer to the darkness of this world. All the places that bring us worry and dread and fear and anxiety and despair, Jesus is still the answer to that in our life. And so whatever area of your life you're dealing with darkness or hopelessness or fear or dread or anxiety, Jesus is the light that can come into that dark situation and completely change 
that for you. And then it says that he will be a light in the darkness. And if you think about, if any, if any of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand. Actually, probably shouldn't. <laughs> but if you've ever gone through a period of depression, then you know it's a dark place. There's a, there's a darkness in your life that you can look around and everybody's having fun and they're like, well, I can't have fun. Or everything looks wonderful on that, to your eyes, but you're like, I can't experience that. And it's this darkness. And so, like I said, many people will go through that. And during the holidays, people experience it at a greater rate than other times. And, and it's almost like contradictory. You would think that during the holidays when you've got plenty of food and plenty of family and all the lights and all the fun, that everybody would be having a great time. But there's something about this time of year that also causes people to regress into a darkness. And we're going to work with people from now until Christmas and then the year who are going through that. And there's going to be people in our family that are going through that. And there's going to be people in this congregation that are experiencing that. And we need to understand that in every situation, it's the love of Jesus that's the answer. It's the light of Jesus in our life. And if you're going through that today, I just want to encourage you, man, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Just look at the hope that Jesus brings to us, that he's the light in the darkness. He's the one who has the answer to every situation. He's the one who can light up the darkest part of your life in the darkest part of this world. Jesus is the one who can bring that. And so it says that those who live in deep, death-like darkness will see a light. And people will no longer need to stumble in their darkness. And so Jesus says this, he tells us when he comes, he says, I'm the light of the world. In, in John, he says this, um, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. <clears throat> and so this promise of Jesus coming was that he would be the light of the world, that in our darkness, in our darkest situations, in those moments that we feel the worst, that we have the darkest, most hopeless situations, Jesus would come into that and be the light of that. And those of us who know Jesus, who have, who have him in our heart, who live with Jesus on a daily basis, know that he can be a light to us. He can be the answer when there is no answer. He can be the hope where there is no hope. He can do the miracle that no one can ever have an answer for. Jesus is the one who can do that. And as we look ahead to his second coming, and guys, we should never forget that he's coming back. We should never forget that. There's part of Western culture, religion, that's all about today. I want to feel good today. So Jesus, what can you do for me today? And he is here, and he wants to do great things. But the greatest hope we have is him coming back. That's the greatest hope we have. And I was just thinking this morning, as I was, I don't know, is there anybody here, you can raise your hand for this, because you, you, anybody here who you have all your Christmas shopping done, all your presents wrapped, and your house decorated? Whew, good. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Because, you know, right now, if you're thinking about this, you're thinking about Christmas. For us adults, you know, your kids are like, man, I can't wait to Christmas. Adults are like, there's only so many days left for Christmas, and I still haven't gotten Uncle Fred's present, and I still haven't wrapped anything, and I don't have the Christmas tree up, and I have all that. And so isn't that sort of like how we view Jesus' second coming? If we're ready, we're like, come on, 
get me out of this place. Let's go to heaven. Let's have a big time. If we're not ready, like, could you give me another couple months because I don't know that I'm ready to go yet. And we really should be a people who are looking forward to Jesus coming back. Because there is nothing on this earth, nothing that we'll ever experience on this earth that's going to compare to the glory that we'll experience in heaven with Him. Nothing. Nothing. And so God's here for us today, but His greatest blessing is for us in eternity. And there's going to be a day when, if we're able to look back on this, we'll say, man, my best day on earth doesn't even compare to my worst day in heaven. If there could even be a worst day in heaven, right? So... He also says that he's going to break the yoke of slavery. Slavery to sin, slavery to flesh. In Romans chapter 6, it says that we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Hallelujah. For when we die with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And so when they probably first heard this prophecy 700 years before Jesus, they were probably thinking, again, that we're going to get rid of all the enemies, that we're going to be free, Israel's going to be free, and we're going to reign, and we're all this. But what, what they were really talking about in that moment was that we could be set free from all the things that bind us, all the things that hold us in bondage. Jesus came that we could be free from addiction, that we could be free from tradition, we could be free from other people's expectations, we could be free from our sin and our guilt and our shame and our anxiety and our depression and all those things that can hold us in bondage. Jesus came to set us free from those things, right? When, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus says that he's announcing who he is, he said, I have come to set the captives free. And so when Jesus came, it didn't look like probably they anticipated it looking, but he came to set us free spiritually and our souls free and our minds free and our bodies free. Maybe not from governmental oppression, maybe not from things like that, but he came to set us free on the inside. And hallelujah that we can be free, right? And I'm so glad that Jesus came to set you free and set me free. And even before this service, we prayed that we would have freedom today. That we would be all set free from whatever it is that's holding us back today. Whatever's holding you down, Jesus came, lived, and died so that you could be free from that, right? And then one day, Jesus is going to come back and really set us free. Because we're going to be free of these bodies that limit us. Free of these finite minds that limit us. Free from the earth that limits us gravity all those things that limit us and we're going to be set free from that and we're going to be free to worship God like we've never worshiped him before and we're going to know things we never knew before and we're going to experience things that we've never experienced before all those things that our souls are sort of yearning for we're going to have because we're going to be finally free from those things that hold us back then it says he would lift our heavy burdens what kind of burdens burdens of sin Burdens of doubt, guilt, shame, trying to live up to other people's expectations again, from burdens of intimidation, burdens of trying to earn our way to Jesus, burdens of trying to work our way into heaven. See, Jesus said that 
Our salvation is not something we can earn. It's, it's not something that we can work out. We're saved by grace through faith, lest anyone boast about it, right? And so he came to set us free from all that. Because imagine before Jesus came, every day it was like, can I be good enough? Can I follow the law good enough? Can I do this just right? Did I kill the right animal? Did I kill the wrong animal? Did I do this? Did I do all those things? And he came to set us free from that. But today, not only that, but he wants to set us free from all those burdens, those things that we carry. The things that the enemy tries to remind you of every day. The things that we feel inside that make us feel like we're not worthy. And even though we're not, we're made righteous through Jesus Christ and we are made worthy to come into his presence because of what Jesus did, right? So he came to set us free from those burdens. And it said that he also came to break the oppressor's rod. If you think about who the oppressor is, I'm sure that in Jesus' day when they were reading this, they were probably thinking the oppressor is the Roman government. Caesar is the oppressor. It may have been one of the Babylonian kings at one time. They, they're the, they're the, the oppressor. The Egyptians are the oppressors. But the oppressor that he was really talking about here was Satan, who wants to oppress us every day. Who came, whose purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Who wants to steal from you. Who wants to kill you. And not only kill you, but really kill you. It's like in, in Rocky, you know where the guy says, you can't fight him, Rocky. He's going to kill you dead. <laughs> I don't know how else you kill somebody, but <clears throat> you want to, Satan wants to kill you dead. Not just kill you, but kill you dead. Right? But he came to set us free from that because of the fall of man, Satan was given the right to oppress us. But when Jesus came back and he lived on earth as a perfect person and he died on a cross and he, he, he came back three days later, he defeated the devil, right? And the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And he did. He came to destroy the devil. He came to destroy all the works of the devil. And at that moment when Jesus rose from the grave, three days later, he came out victorious. And because he's victorious, we can be victorious. And I know that you're thinking, but the devil still drives me nuts and he still does these things to me. And it's that already but not yet thing that we have to deal with but here's the thing that's another reason why we need to keep looking forward to Jesus coming back because when he comes back <clears throat> we will be totally victorious over the devil the devil will not be able to touch us bother us oppress us possess us do anything to us because he's going to be defeated and thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and we can be set free from that so he did come to break the oppressor's rod. But also want you to know right now today, the devil does not have to have victory in your life. Through Jesus, we can have victory over the devil right now, today. In just a few moments, we're going to invite people to come up and pray. And we're going to just pray that, there be a, that the oppressor's rod be broken off of you. That there's a burden and you'll be set free from that. If you're in darkness, that you'll see the light this morning. All those things that Jesus has promised us. And so we have reason to hope now. Today, there's reason for you to hope. 
Even if your situation seems hopeless, there's reason for you to hope. But there is hope also in what Jesus is going to do when he comes back. Let me just read this to you out of 1 Thessalonians. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. Who are we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. So there's going to be a day, just like 700 years before when Isaiah wrote this, people were looking forward to the coming of Jesus. They didn't know his name then. They just knew he was going to be a Messiah. They knew he was going to come and, and set things right. And maybe he didn't do it when they thought. Maybe he didn't do it the way they thought. Maybe he didn't do it, you know, all those things, but what they were looking forward to. But he promised it and it came true. And Jesus and his word have promised that he's coming back. Yes. He's coming back. And when he comes back, we will be caught up in the air with him. And we will be forever with the Lord. And so as we're looking forward to Christmas morning and all the special stuff that comes with that, we should be looking forward to Jesus' return with greater expectation and greater excitement. Because in that moment, Everything will be made right. We will be made whole. And there will be a day when we can look back on this life, like I said, and say, man, it was great. Nothing compares to this. Nothing compares to this. And so God's coming back for us. Jesus is coming back. And so in these moments when you start thinking about Christmas coming and celebrating the coming of Jesus, let's also really take some time and think about Jesus coming back and celebrating that, the fact that He's going to come back for us. Amen. He's going to come back. So in the waiting, wait with hope. <clears throat> Jason has been doing a great job teaching on Wednesday nights about Kavah, Sarah. All right. And waiting on the Lord with expectation and faith. And so in this waiting, let's wait with hope and faith and expectation that He's really coming. He's really coming. And in the waiting, we can be excited. And in the waiting, God's going to do powerful things. Regardless of your situation, we can have hope because of Jesus. If you're experiencing darkness in this period of time, look to the light of Jesus. It's the answer. Would you stand with me this morning?